0: On the Business Developers Network show today, industry associations serve their members in many ways. They promote their members' businesses, provide best practices for business, networking, lobbying state and federal governments for best interest of the industry. However, an industry association is a business, and like any other business, they have challenges to grow and be successful. Today, we are fortunate to have Ed Crowell, the president and CEO of Georgia Motor Trucking Association, the fourth largest trucking association in the nation, and Nathan Goolsby, the chief development officer, to enlighten us what it takes to grow a successful industry association.
1: Welcome to the Business Developers Network, where today's leading business developers share and learn innovative business development concepts to generate greater value for their businesses. Hosted by Artie Ruderman, Principal of Innovative Growth Solutions. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. And now, please welcome your host of the Business Developers Network, Artie Ruderman.
0: Hello, this is Artie Ruderman, your host for the Business Developers Network show. Industry associations are a business. And like any other business, they have challenges to grow to be successful. Today, we're fortunate to have Ed, Ed Crowell, the president and CEO of Georgia Motor Trucking Association, the fourth largest trucking association in the nation, and Nathan Goolsby, the chief development officer, to enlighten us what it takes to grow a successful industry association. First, a good morning to Ed and Nathan. Hey, good morning, Artie. Good morning. And, and let me do a proper introduction for Ed, and then you could... Ed, anything that I might leave out, Ed? I have you as the president and CEO of the Georgia Motor Trucking Association. Uh, you're an established leader in not-for-profit and trade organizations. Nonprofits usually require its management to assume multiple tasks. And Ed, your expertise includes management, budgeting, legislative governance, business development, education initiatives, and I think I just found out cleaning toilets? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And more importantly, uh, he is particularly adept for adapting to changing business conditions. And Nathan, uh, you've done a a wonderful job increasing membership since you joined the organization uh, as its chief development officer. Um, Kind of of interest, and I don't know how this prepared you for the job, uh, before joining the Georgia Motor Trucking Association, Nathan worked with the Georgia Department of Corrections, which may come in handy if those monthly meetings get a little rowdy, right?
2: Yeah, they get crazy.
0: (laughs) So let's go back to a little bio, because sometimes it's good for our listeners to know a background. Did I capture everything, or is there anything
3: you'd like to add? Well, I've often been accused of being a jack of all trades and master of none, but actually I think that works well in the trade association world, so... uh, If we get a little arcane, I've also been privileged to work at the White House when I first got out of college. And uh, I also serve on the board of the local electric utility uh, here near us, Cobby MC, um, as well as on the board of Gas South, the gas marketing firm. So uh, all of that helps when you're running a trade association because it's different experiences that you bring uh, what you've learned. You bring those experiences. You bring what you learn from other executives to the business.
0: Well, not only on on a practical business practical side, but you know, having that that government exposure, I think, is very helpful because a key to a business association is is lobbying on its behalf to the government on the state and and federal, local and state federal. Absolutely,
2: Nathan, did I, I, I cover you fairly? Yeah, I think so. It's funny; it was Department of Corrections, and then now it is, I believe, the formal name is the Department of Community Supervision. So they they brought together probation, parole. I think they have. There's another department that they brought in with it. But um, yeah, it's funny. I've through some other sales backgrounds that I have, law enforcement now to this. I've. I think I've covered the entire spectrum of humanity and in, in dealing with, with everybody. So it, it's funny. It was, a, it was a weird way to get here, but uh, it certainly was was proud to do it and um, yeah, glad to be here now. Well. Let,
0: let's talk about the business side of, of your association. And there are many listeners that are, have nonprofits, which your association is, which does not necessarily mean it does not generate revenue um, and, and profit for that, for that matter. Um, so membership-wise, uh, Nathan, what, what are we looking at for the – it's the fourth largest trucking association in, in America. I'm going to want to drill down on why you think that happened and how many members are we talking about?
2: So, you know, if I go into our system and pull it up, I mean, I think we've got around 2,000 members or so that we've got within the system. Um, you know, yeah, I wish we... we
0: were on video because listeners could see my eyes just shut yeah. up. That's amazing.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think it's important to specify, too, that our membership is corporate or company-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not 2,000 individuals. Those those firms actually represent over 100,000, hundred thousand, eighty to 100,000
2: people who work here in Georgia.
0: My eyes can't go any further in my head, Ed. Yeah. So when the it's funny
2: when when it's that's one of the challenges that we actually we we deal with, especially when leadership changes hands or, or you know folks shuffle mm-hmm. and go company no, but to that's, company. Is yeah. You know we you initially have a, a main point of contact within that company, and and we do have to stress, okay, this is for your company. We can have five, ten, fifteen, twenty people within your organization that are active members. Of the association, and and that's something we have to, you know, continually remind people. Because if, you know, if our main point of contact leaves, and then the next person moves in, they're like, "What is GMTA?" So that's something that we we do have to constantly um, remind people of. That uh, I'm I you know what forgive
0: me because I did not catch that number when I did my research on your organization and I would have prepared differently. But, um, you know, when you have an organization that size, you know, the the networking and the activities take on a whole different dimension. So we we can kind of talk about that a little bit later. But um, for uh, again, for the listeners, it's important for us to realize that 80 percent of freight is moved by truck, not train, not plane. We're talking rolling wheels, rolling yep. rubber. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, so that's very important. And there are some very significant um, demographics taking place in the trucking industry right now. Do you want to elaborate on that? Or if not, I'll, I'll, I will lead it. But I think you know what I'm referring to as far as the age of drivers and drivers uh, not coming yeah, no, into that, the industry.
3: That's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's, we're not unique, but uh, I know other industries are facing the same uh, problem in that uh, the baby boomers are aging out. And uh, they're heading into retirement, and a whole lot of the people who've been driving trucks are, uh, you know, 10 years ago they were in their 40s. Now they're in their 50s. Some are in their 60s and 70s, and they're uh, they're starting to head for retirement. And it's a struggle to get the younger folk to come in and join us uh, in the industry. And there's a, there's a plethora of reasons for that, some of which we're successfully addressing and some of which we're not. But um, the upside for somebody interested in a job is that the salaries are skyrocketing in trucking. Uh, We've got truck drivers now starting at near $90,000 a year as a starting salary. Um, And that certainly makes it something worth looking at.
0: I I cannot pass a, a truck on the highway that does not have a sign on the back saying we'll pay more than the other guys. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, what is the average age? I, th- I thought I heard it, but I want to hear it come from trucking experts. What is the average age of a truck driver today?
3: The average age right now is in the middle 50s. In the middle 50s. Yeah, and heading up. And heading up. Um, yeah, and, and it is, um, if you look at the demographics, if you chart it out, it's a cohort that's just been running through for 20 years. They were in their middle 30s and 40s, and oh. now they're in their 50s. They're going to head to the 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's happening is there's not a good bubble behind them. Um, Now, some of that is strictly demographics because the baby boom generation was so large and so many people Mm. to work. And then the two generations that followed that, they were smaller and Mm -hmm. there's fewer people. The millennial generation is coming on now. Um, Actually, some of them are in their 30s. They're already working. But... Uh, that is actually a larger cohort of people than the baby boom generation. So there's, I didn't know I, that. There's ample oh, should opportunity have, but there. Didn't. But, yeah. yeah, they are. There are more millennials than there are baby boomers. And uh, and so that's good for the economy because it's that many more people who can go out and get employed. So why are they not interested in driving a truck? Well, that's a, a great question, and there's a couple of reasons. One is, you know, we'll blame ourselves first. The The salaries have lagged. Mm-hmm. They haven't kept up, and now they're catching up, which is great. Um, there are some regulatory prohibitions, some of which don't make any sense. Uh, it is legal for an 18-year-old to get trained to drive a truck and drive it anywhere in the state of Georgia, say, for instance, from Valdosta all the way up to Dalton. But that 18-year-old can't cross the bridge from Augusta to North Augusta, South Carolina. It's illegal for an 18-year-old to drive interstate. So an 18-year-old can drive the full length of California, but you know, or the full width of Texas, but they're not allowed to drive interstate. Well, interstate is not surprisingly where the biggest money is and the most interest and the most traditional thinking when it comes to trucking Uh, that's where you want people to be and the greatest need for drivers and so we've got 18 to 21 year olds are not allowed to drive in that industry that makes it tough because if you're a good employee and you know Mm -hmm. a lot of times you've found a career by then yeah you know so that's one of the issues we're trying to work with and the others are. Uh, just doing the things to make the industry more attractive to people and getting it up to speed. We are becoming very much a high-tech industry and very much a uh, an industry that attracts people who are interested in technology. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, but a lot of people have heard about autonomous trucks and mm-hmm. uh, some of the things we're doing there. Um, you know, it's an exciting time. It really is.
0: Well, there, there are other uh, – just going to drill down on the industry, and then we'll go into the association. But, um, I, again, trying to attract uh, – truckers to people to become truckers I noticed that the truckers have changed it used to be you stayed at a seedy motel the food was lousy but now the the bigger trucking companies have established upscale hotels and and um, amenities for them and good restaurants for them and and so it's it's really changing to attract and do you think that will be working
3: Yeah, I I think you're exactly right, and we're going to see more and more of that, and some of that is data-driven. Some of that's technology-driven in that they can do that sort of thing. They can plan routes more effectively, and when you can plan a route more effectively, you can plan where you're going to park the truck for the day, and then you can plan where the driver has to stay overnight, whether they want to stay in the sleeper cab. Um, sleeper cabs themselves have become a story. I mean, they're they're like a high high tech RV now. They're very comfortable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to just a bunk over top of you know a, a cargo hold. Um, so all of that's working together to help us to do a better job to make it more of an enjoyable lifestyle. One of the
0: companies that that I provide business development services for, uh, Aditec. Uh, they have software that uh, deals with exactly what you're talking about, that dead-end concern where you're going to Colorado and you have to go to you know, Denver and then you have to go back to – let's say you started from Chicago. Chicago to Colorado went back where could you pick up work on the way back so there's there's a lot of software being driven right now to the industry for those purposes Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm.
3: yeah uh you know i'm sure most listeners are familiar with airbnb and some of the you know gig economy kind of thing um that's come into trucking as well and we've always had independent truckers out there who would just look for a load of freight then find another load of freight and keep moving that way but now it's become sort of app based and uh you know, truckers can get out there if they want to and get on what are we call what we call load boards. Um, they can pick up a load, but they can also use apps to plan their entire trip out. And some do this; they they'll take a trip and they'll make a certain amount of money and get to a place they want to be, and they'll spend a week's vacation there before they bother to get another load and come back somewhere else. Now, that's not everybody. Most of it's a work a day. You know, you got a job, you do your job. But people are finding new flexibilities in trucking. Um, I've got a trucking company down in the middle of Georgia and they talk about the guys who will only work until they feel like they've made enough money and then they'll take a long weekend or they'll work until it's hunting season and then they won't work again until they're finished with hunting season and uh you know it's like they can plan their life that way that's a great quality of life it it
0: is you know I I I didn't mean to drill down as far as I did on that and I'd like to get back to your, your association but I do find it kind of very very interesting and gosh I mean you know moving moving product is is so important to us all. What would Amazon be without trucks? Yeah, (laughs) non-existent. Right? So let's go to the Georgia Motor Trucking Association. It was established in 1933? That's correct. And, well, it's part of America Trucking Association.
3: What's the relationship? That's a great question. We're a member of a national group called the American Trucking Associations, which was actually established, I think, in 1934. and uh, we literally are an independent organization. We run our own budget. We raise our own money. We do everything independently here. Our board is not their board, um, and we contribute to them and, and uh, help them with their decisions and their efforts as any other member would. Um, not to get too arcane, but the, uh, the large national associations actually came at the behest of the federal government back in the 30s. Um, when they were trying to deal with the Great Depression, the government said, you know, we've got to know who to talk to in different industries. And so, you know, there were thousands of trucking companies all over the country This is who's going to represent them so we can talk trucking? ATA came together from disparate associations, and then the members of the state associations helped form the American Trucking Associations so there'd be someone to represent the industry to the federal government. So does each state have a... a- Independent
0: chapter, if you will, that also supports the America Trucking yeah, uh,
3: Association? Uh, not chapters at all. Independent companies. Each state has its own independent uh, organization, and uh, you know, they rise and fall on their own merits as a business. What makes Georgia the fourth largest um, trucking association?
0: I mean, yeah, you don't think of Georgia as a hotbed of, of, of manufacturing yeah. that is moving that much merchandise yeah. and product.
3: I, I would love to tell you that it's the incredibly you know, adept management of the association, <laughs> but, um, but actually some of it is just serendipitous. We're in a great location logistically. We have a good history. A lot of trucking companies based in this state, and, uh, you know, freight and logistics is one of the main industries here in our state, so there's a natural market for us to do a little bit better than some of the state associations. There's more truckers here than in Wyoming, for instance. So, you know, shame on us if we're not one of the largest trucking associations. Well,
0: lo- logistically, uh, we do have the Port of Savannah, yeah. w- which is a gateway to yep. bringing product into the southeast. Mm-hmm. And and Atlanta itself is really a, a commercial capital for
3: the yep. southeast. So yeah.
0: and I honestly, guess I could see that.
3: Honestly, the government of Georgia in the last 8, 12 years has done a phenomenal job of Uh, Bringing in jobs, bringing in manufacturing, bringing in logistics firms and saying we we want to be a leader in logistics and we want to make it uh, somewhere where people want to base things knowing they can reach the country from here. Well, not
0: not just in, in logistics. We we know in in movies and television. I yep. think it became the number one just recently. We did as, as far as the activity in in the industry. Yep. And we also have a burgeoning uh, IT uh, the digital transformation industry here as, as oh, well,
3: and, and financial technology as well. Yes, yeah. yeah, you you are right about that. So going back to the
0: association in in 1933, you joined it in 1993. That's correct. So talk about when you actually did you. Was it, I'm a little confused, it already existed, so what was it when you got involved? What, what, was, what was the membership? What was the, sure. what
3: was the culture? Sure. So, um, you know, in the 1990s, uh, the organization had been around for 60 years, and uh, as, as can often happen, um, it had gotten a bit moribund. Um, it was sort of going through the motions. Trucking until the 1990s was actually regulated as if it was a utility. And uh, what that meant is you couldn't enter the trucking industry unless the government gave you permission to enter the trucking industry. That translated into trade associations that really weren't very active because everything was controlled by the government. And so they would – we actually had a book we called a tariff where truckers would get together in a room and say, this is what we're going to charge to haul this kind of thing from this point to this point. And if you called up a trucking company and you wanted to move it, it didn't matter who you called. That's what you had to pay. Because it was a regulated utility, so in the late hmm. in the late eighties and early nineties, the industry became deregulated. So right about the time I got there, deregulation was the buzzword. It meant that truckers were going to have to go out and compete business to business as a service in ways they never had for the entire history of trucking.
0: And what year was that, Ed?
3: That was uh, the the deregulation began in the nineteen eighties and finished in nineteen ninety four. In an interesting roundabout way, it, it was deregulated by the. Uh, Federal Aviation uh, Assistance Act of 1994. That's a weird one. Yeah, that's because FedEx led the deregulation. (laughs) And uh, FedEx was formed as an airline, not as a trucking company, even though they have a lot more trucks than airplanes. So that's a real, real long story to get to the question you asked of what it was like. It was sort of moribund. It was, uh, we hadn't been investing in our infrastructure, our our IT or anything. We Literally had a tape spool computer the size of a refrigerator that would (laughs) run. And we had a bookkeeper, sweet as could be, but she did all the books on a paper ledger with her her pencil and penciled everything out. And uh, I used to have a a motto around the office when I did get in there that we were going to move boldly into the 1940s. Uh, (laughs) And that was being progressive. (laughs) That was being progressive. Uh, How many members at that point in time? Uh, back then, I think we had about six, six or seven hundred members. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, Reasonable, th-
3: yeah, it, it wasn't bad, and, and there were, you know, quite honestly, not as many trucking companies. They were, they were mostly old line firms whose families had gotten that government position or uh, permission. It was called authority, who had gotten that government authority back in the thirties or the forties and had held on to it uh, ever since. And so they didn't compete with each other. They didn't compete with anybody. They just ran their company, they ran their family business.
0: All right. Let, let's talk about the the actual business side of of your association, because many of listeners listening who have organizations could can relate to that. So, it, you're germane to your business in particular. So, safety is the number one, uh, yeah. and and I'm glad to see that on the website. That's the first thing that it yeah. speaks about. It is safety, best business practices before your your members to learn from each other, and you bring in outside resources for them. Highway safety, which mm-hmm. is different than safety, right. uh, Right, uh, credential certification, which I think is important, um, filling them in on legal trends, lobbying at the local, state, and, and federal level for their best in industry, uh, best interest of the industry, such as lowering taxes on the freight industry. And you brought up some very good points about earlier regulations that probably were lobbied to to revert and and networking in general. So, um, also, I just want to point out that the Georgia Motor Trucking Association's members support a variety of charity. Charitable organizations as well, the Gary Sinnes Foundation, Foundation, helping wounded veterans, um, fire first responders, and their families. And this is kind of interesting because most people don't think about this, that you're on the front line for truckers against
3: trafficking. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Sure, sure. That, well, you covered the waterfront. There's a lot to talk about and all that, but we'll, we'll start with uh, truckers against trafficking and work our way back. Um yeah, the um the sad truth is that that most human trafficking in this country is very mobile. Um that they will take the uh the children, you know, the the girls or even the boys that they have uh control of and they'll move them from city to city to keep them from establishing any kind of relationships with anyone that could lead to them escaping from that. Mm-hmm. Um and sadly um uh, what that means is a lot of times those people are hanging out in truck stops and otherwise moving through um You know, uh, human traffickers will use RVs and keep the kids in RVs. Um, So a woman, um, and now I've lost her name, which I Candace, um, I can't remember her last name, and I hate that. I'm sorry, Rich. But um, uh, a young lady uh, years ago realized that truckers were really close to where a lot of the trafficking was moving and would be great people if they were trained to know to know what to look for. They would be great people to be on the front lines and just call in and say, hey, something doesn't look good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly yeah. out there. So it's become a great nationwide movement. Uh, a lot of trucking companies in Georgia participate in it. And what we do is we train truckers and we also coordinate with law enforcement so that they know the signs of um, you know someone who's being trafficked. Someone yeah, who's you're, being you're out there early in the yeah. morning in, in those
0: locations, for sure. Yeah. So uh, an industry association is a business. Nathan, what's the subtle difference for managing and growing an uh, an association as opposed to typical for-profit businesses? Yeah, and, you know,
2: the referral business in in the association world is very difficult. Um, We, and there's a few different ways that we can go at it, but first and foremost, we want to recruit trucking companies, and we want them to come and join the association. Going along with that, we have... Affiliate members, and that's pretty broad, and I know we've talked about that before, but that's that's anybody who's offering a service or a product to the industry. I mean, those are going to be your, your folks in insurance. They're going to be attorneys. They're going to be um, dealerships. Sure, there's a whole yeah, I mean dealerships that are offering to support the trucking exactly. industry. Exactly, and then yeah. we have the logistics folks, the folks that are helping – move freight around, you know, the, the non-asset companies and the, the third-party logistics providers that are... This is all a part of this. So it's a little bit different, and it was kind of a shock to me when I first came on board because we're not exactly selling a physical, tangible product. I mean, we sell some of the, the ideas and the concepts that, that we bring to the table and some of the the, the wins that, that Ed brings on the political side. Um, and you talked about some of the training and the other... Um, things that we can provide to these people so it was a little bit difficult for me kind of wrapping my head around it at first so we somebody made it a little bit clear to me when i was talking to him on the phone and he goes you kind of act like a clearinghouse and i said you know that that's kind of right um we are able to bring all these different aspects of the industry to one location and if you're a trucking company and you have a specific need if i don't have the answer for you i can point you in this direction or if Somebody's looking for a particular service on the other end. I can I can try to help them find the right person to hopefully grow their business and and would be a good contact for them moving forward. Sure. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's different than, you know, a, directly selling a product to someone because that's not really what we're doing. Um, so we kind of have to do it a little bit differently and and we have multiple providers that might do the same sort of thing, so we can't you know, directly say this is GMTA's preferred vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, that, and some of that comes on to how is that person going to use their membership? You know, are you, how are you going to use it to network, and, and how are you going to use it to help grow your own business and, and maybe sell your own product? Well,
0: Ed, going, go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah, I
2: was just going to say, I mean, Nathan made some great
3: points there. And, you know, one of the problems we have or one of the issues we always have to deal with is that, that the reason we exist, the main reason we exist is political to represent the industry to the government, Um, but it's not a profit center. It is something that we have to do, and and when we're successful, it benefits everyone in the industry, whether they're members or not. And so um, we need to constantly remind people that if we don't have enough members, we won't be Mm -hmm. successful. So it's one of those where, you know, you've got to help us help you do good. And uh, we could go into details about the literally tens of millions of dollars that truckers do not have to pay or can use in other ways because of the work of the association. Um, but it's, it's a tough sell. It's tough to remind people of that all the time.
2: And it goes back to kind of what you had said before, where we are located within the country and in the southeast, we have members that are able to join GMTA that are, might be based in Florida or Alabama or South Carolina, because for them to get to anywhere they want to go, they're going to have to get onto a Georgia road at some point.
0: Not if they're 18 to 21. <laughs> not
2: not if yep. you're under 21 years old. But if you're over 21, yeah, you're going to be coming through Georgia at some point. And because of that, you have an interest in what we're doing here in our state. You know
0: what? My producers are showing we're running out of time, and I didn't get to some of the questions. I'm going to throw them out there and just freebase a, a little bit. Um, so when you uh, – started the organization. You told about refocusing. You talked about, you know, the infrastructure and, and, and uh, software and things like that. Uh, what strategies did you employ? How were they implemented? And what lessons learned and, and what could other organizations learn from
3: what you did? That's a great question, but I got to tell you, in the beginning, it was shooting fish in a barrel. Everything was easy to fix because everything was way out of whack and way and, and old-fashioned. You know, it it was just ridiculously simple on the front end. Now now we do a lot more um, strategic thinking, a lot more planning, a lot more mar- market research. Uh, we've got a set of KPIs that we use just like any other business to measure. Um, Nathan has a set of goals, and, and uh, you know, we have regular weekly meetings in our progress on every, every profit center that we operate, and, uh, you know, just make sure we're, we're staying on budget, um, you know, and uh, we also have a a strategic plan on our technology. Um, we want to make sure we're never technologically obsolescent. Uh, so we're always upgrading websites and social media efforts and things like that as well. Um, but yeah, sometimes I, I like to think about those old days when I could, you know, I could make any decision and it was an improvement. So.
0: You know, it doesn't sound too much different than any other business.
3: No, it really isn't. It,
0: it, right. Um, in in conclusion, what uh, common trends and indus- issues are there for the industry, and what are members looking for?
2: Nathan. Yeah. So one thing that we've re- we've really done here is I think back I say the old days. I don't know. Maybe going back to the '90s when 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 Ed first came on board. But these days, really, folks are really looking for a return on their investment. I think before. You could join a a, a trade association no matter what industry you were in, and you just did it to support it. And you did it to support your industry. You were told that was something that you were supposed to do, and that's what you did. Um, Now, with the amount of technology that we have, the amount of information that you can get um, anywhere that you absolutely want to, um, we have to approach that a little bit different areas. So how – how can we provide a return on that investment? And so we're trying to structure it a little bit differently and trying to bring in this this next generation of leadership um, into the association so we can continue to have relationships with these companies that we have for a while. But we've really turned membership and sponsorship into an annual business unit. I mean, it's not something that, okay, this event's coming down – on the calendar and we're now we're ramping up for that. We're trying to sell sponsorships throughout the entire year. We're trying to recruit new members throughout the entire year. And instead of focusing on specifically when things pop up, pop up on our calendar, um, I'm doing this 12 months out of the year and we're starting to identify what times of the year people are more likely to either want to join the association, how they want to sponsor. We've set up annual options to where folks with one stroke of the check can can literally sponsor everything that we do throughout the entire year, and that's really tremendously helped us, and it helps us set up our year so we already know where we're we're at on on certain events and and certain issues that we're dealing with. You know, Nathan Nathan touched on
3: one important point there. He he went right by it. But um, I think like a lot of businesses, we're getting more and more emphasis on our data. We're watching and mining that data to see what it's telling us, and then we can act and react based on real data as opposed to anecdotal experiences.
0: You know, this is the most important part, and I should have put this up front because, again, being a business, you mentioned earlier um, in a conversation before the show that sponsorship and advertising are two different things. So those who are run nonprofits need to know the following.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a tax code treatment. Um, we can't accept advertising like you might advertise on a radio station or on a, uh, on a magazine or things like that. Um, it becomes a taxable item for us. Um, that's why your trade associations, GMTA and all others, ask for sponsorships. It's because the code wants us to do things that way. So um, if folk ever wondered, now they know. Well, this
0: was excellent. Thank you very, very much. So in conclusion, uh, just in 15 seconds, anything that either one of you want to say or that we didn't cover or leave or leave out? Yeah, if,
3: if any way you're involved in trucking or logistics, you need to be a member of the Georgia Motor Trucking and Association. And how would they contact the georgia motor
2: trucking association the easiest way is shoot me an email and it's really my first name so nathan n-a-t-h-a-n at gmta.org and i can uh, i can take care of everything well thank you nathan thank you ed
0: and signing off and remember to keep developing your business
1: On behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks, we want to thank our guests, sponsors, and you, the audience, for joining us on the Business Developers Network. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. Today's broadcast can be heard on demand on your favorite internet channels, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and across the PBC syndicated networks. We invite you to share the show using the posted social media links and join Artie Ruderman and his guests on the next episode of the Business Developers Network.